QVC Quality Violent Cinema. Hello, everybody. This is the third episode of Quality Violent Cinema. This is your host, Ian, with your other host, Christian. And we have two special guests with us today, our significant others. Starting over here is... Presley Bracken. And then over there is... Amanda Taylor. Christian's girlfriend. And we are going to be talking about the female perspective in horror films. We're going to be mentioning a lot of the extreme stuff and even some mainstream stuff. We're going to go over kind of the whole spectrum of it. Kind of how women are represented in horror movies and we're going to be talking to our two female guests about what they think about it so we're not just mansplaining the whole time. So we're going to begin this episode kind of by going through, we all kind of picked some female characters in different categories, starting off with strong female leads. Uh, The first one is going to be strong female leads, then we're going to talk about women that made the transition from weak to strong characters. So maybe started off as the damsel in distress and ended with being the final girl. And then we're going to talk about characters that were weak the whole movie that never really got that final girl, that strength. And um, maybe they needed to be protected the whole time, but we'll get into it. So first let's bring up the strong female leads. Uh, Let's start with my wife, Presley. What do you got? So for this category, I picked The Silence of the Lambs with Jodie Foster as the main lead. Um, For me, that whole movie is just kind of explaining like a female and a male dominant job, so to speak. So she's training to be in the FBI. And throughout the whole perspective, you know, you have all the male eyes on you. And that's kind of what the director was going for to try and make you... Put yourself in her position, so to speak. So throughout the whole thing, she knows she has something to prove. So she never really, she doesn't really have time to doubt herself. And she really has to just put her best foot forward throughout the whole thing. And there are times where she does kind of get a little tripped up. But, you know, she has a psychiatrist cannibal kind of analyzing her trying to get into her brain a bit but you know throughout the whole thing she perseveres and she ends up you know killing killing the dude that's a great pick and i think that's really important to talk about like how in the 90s female roles got a lot stronger with movies like scream and stuff so how about you amanda so my pick is samantha from the house of the devil and i chose this because It's a little mainstream and a little underground. Um, Samantha is posed to do a babysitting job with a family, and then she finds out that the family that she was to babysit for is actually um, satanic ritualist, and they were looking for a female to breed with, basically, and the original family was killed, and... In the process, Samantha's friend is murdered, and she discovers all of this as it's falling by the wayside throughout the evening, and Samantha takes it into her own hands to kind of do something about it, and so she ends up murdering the family in order to free herself and wakes up in a hospital bed, and so she came out the strong female in this movie. That's a really good pick, and I love that movie. 
Have you seen Have you seen that Presley? I have not. No. Oh, it's it's a cool one. It's a kind of a slow burn, but like it's creepy all the way through for sure. Yeah, and it's one of those ones they make to seem like it was uh, made earlier than it was. Yeah. Yeah, I think even down to like the Coke can that she's drinking out of or something. They like mm-hmm. used the old Coke can. How about you, Christian? Um, so I have a couple because I mean, one of the ones I feel is always the strongest. Um, I talked to it before is the female prisoner scorpion. I mean, just her death stare alone and everything she has to put through and every time she's in prison and taken out of prison. And it's one of those ones that's it's it's technically exploitation. But, I mean, there's a scene where she's in the train and almost going to get caught from the police. But she's um, she gets handcuffed, goes out the train, um, where just the arm is sticking out of the train from the cop. She cuts off the arm, leaving the arm dangling as she's running through the city with a severed hand still handcuffed to her. So just, like, stuff like that is, like, it's exploitation, but there's so much good aspects of gore. Um, but if we're going to get into like a good strong role, you don't see a lot of gore of where um, like the female is really like the killer. Um, and one uh, director in general I like that uses a lot of the female actually being um, the perspective of the killer, uh, Hugh Gallagher. Um, he does stuff like uh, Gorka, Gorgasm, Dead Silence, Gore Horror. And they're all... Not just... Dead Silence, the puppet movie. No, <laughs> Dead Silence is it's a totally different thing. So yeah, this is the SL, SRS release. So don't get those confused. It's an entirely different movie. But yeah, those are great. So my pick is going to be one that has two strong female leads. And I think that we've all seen it in this room. Uh, that's Inside. It's a French horror film, and that that one's uh, got, well, the story is basically uh, a woman is in a car accident, loses her husband, and she's still carrying the baby. She's, you know, it's Christmas Eve. She's supposed to have the baby on Christmas Day, and she's going to bed, and somebody's kind of banging on her side door trying to get in, and she calls the police, and the police come and check it out, and no one's there, and tell her just to go back to bed and she'll be safe and eventually this intruder makes it in and it's a woman in a black dress with a huge pair of scissors trying to cut her stomach open and take this baby out and anybody that tries to get inside of the house to help her out because people keep checking on her throughout the movie they get obliterated by even her cat yeah even the cat so there's a cat <laughs> death in this which is kind of sad but um, all of the violence in this movie is splatter. I've talked about it on a previous episode. Blood is just shooting across the room at all times. Um, completely brutal. But both female leads, the intruder and the woman having the baby, are both very strong. And they're both putting up a really good fight. And um, so, I mean, Presley, Amanda, have you guys seen Inside? Yeah, we recently just watched it last week, yeah. and you know it just kind of hit different this time around because it's my second time watching it. But I'm actually pregnant at the moment, so just seeing the scissors in the stomach, you know, it just made me kind of uncomfortable. But it was still just really, really well done. Just really made. Awesome. Is Martyr still your favorite? Oh yeah, no, it's definitely still <laughs> up there for me. Amanda, you saw it inside, right? Yeah, I really liked it, and I really loved the focus between the two women and the bathroom scenes, because a lot of the slashing and the killing 
took place around the bathroom and within the hallway. And I don't know, as a female, you know, the stereotype is we spend a lot of time in the bathroom getting ready. So this time it was getting ready to kill some people. That's actually a, a good observation there. Presley, I have a question for you. Since you are pregnant right now and watching inside, did you feel that like primal um, fear that the main character could have been going for and how important it was for her to protect her unborn during that time? Oh, definitely. Just trying to put myself in her shoes. You know, I think we all would react very differently in that situation. And her first instinct is kind of to just run and try to figure out what's going on. Because, you know, at that point, she's really looking for things to protect her. And she's in the bathroom. So, you know, she grabs these chopsticks and she tries to attack and she ends up murking her mom. So, yeah, I mean, it's just like every situation is going to be different, you know. That scene with the mother, I, like, gasped so hard because I was like, oh, no, not her mom. I know. It's <laughs> fucked up. Like, to add, like, killing your mother on top of all the other tragedy in the film, it's like... And it seemed like their relationship was kind of strained. So in my head, I was like, I wonder if she felt that bad about it. <laughs> and then if you, if you like, pay attention, um, the mother is the only female that gets murdered of all the people that come into the house. All the other characters that get murdered um, by the, the intruder... Uh, that's a dog on the floor, if you heard that in the background. But uh, all the all the people that get killed are men. All these men are kind of trying to come to the rescue, come to the aid of the woman, and they're not lasting more than a few minutes in the house before they get taken out. So I found it interesting that, you know, the men characters in this movie are, are also just weak. Even if they have weapons, they get taken out fast. Yeah, there's something really kind of dark and messed up when you see um family murder um like getting back into the concept of, of found i think what made found is so profound is just the act of the son murdering his own dad and mom and just that degree of how psychotic and messed up you have to be to feel that's okay and such a brutal way too, you know like it wasn't just oh i'm gonna stab you and you're dead you know no. he went about like torturing both of them for yeah. quite a while yeah. Right. With his dick it's out. Like, what did I do <laughs> to deserve this? <laughs> All right. So we'll get into the next one. That's going to be female characters that started off weak, maybe the damsel in distress, and then work their way up to final girl status, the strong female character. And we can just kind of go in the same order. So start with Presley. So my pick for this one was Needy in Jennifer's Body, played by Amanda Seyfried. And for me, you know, you have kind of two women, and I don't want to say they're pitted against each other, but they're such complete opposites. You know, you have the main character, Needy, who is kind of, you know, kind of a social outcast, so to speak, you know, except her best friend is like this beautiful, popular high school cheerleader, Jennifer, who's played by Megan Fox. And you can tell that, you know, her character doesn't feel as confident as her, doesn't dress as, like, sexy as her, isn't nearly as provocative. So then um, during the first, you know, first act or whatever, they go to that bar and a bunch of people end up dying and Jennifer gets sacrificed by this band. And they obviously didn't, you know, they needed to sacrifice a virgin and Jennifer was not, you know, she goes about 
throughout the whole movie talking about how she's pretty sexual and kind of trying to score with the main with the band and pretty much needy kind of picks up on what's going on she's like oh my god you're killing people and she's like no i'm killing boys you know it's it's a it's fine and that's when she kind of starts to like kind of come out of her shell to try and stop jennifer from killing all these people and then especially when she goes after her own boyfriend and in the end you know she is the complete opposite of who she was in the beginning with some help of like being bitten by jennifer so some of that demonic possession kind of rubs off on her and in the end you know she ends up killing her best friend and then she kind of she ends up killing the band essentially in the end and she avenges jennifer there we go Got it, yeah. I was really sad when they killed the band because they killed my man, Adam Brody. Oh, I know. It's my boy. (laughs) How about you, Christian? Uh, We briefly talked about this movie before, but uh, Baby Blood, I think, is a really good example. Um, I mean, it's she's basically taken in by this demon of sorts or devilish character, um, and then it's basically goes in like she's pregnant with it, so it's like a child. Um, and at first she's very like, I won't go to your ways. I will not, um, submit or to what you want me to do. But then by the end of it, she's freely killing everyone and, you know, almost like gets off to it. Um, and then even after the giving the birth of it and, you know, it's just, and there's actually a lot of theories of whether, um, the whole time that she was just imagining it and going crazy, which I can see. Yeah, I haven't seen that one in a minute, but I did love it when I saw it. It was really gory, and it was really well-made, too. It didn't feel like, you know, a low-budget, cheap movie, and I was really surprised I didn't hear about it before, but that's crazy that we have two about pregnant women so far. We'll see if we have right. another one. Um, I guess something about, like, once you're pregnant, you get, like, you know, superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. I mean, there's that, like... There's that you've heard of mother's strength, you know, right? Like women lifting cars because their babies, you know, danger or something. Yeah, the adrenaline coursing through your veins. I think it's all the extra hormones. Yeah, there's so many. (laughs) Yeah, Um, mine's a strange one. Um, It's called Gun Woman. It's a Japanese film directed by Kurando Mitsutake, and it is it's got one of the weirdest plots ever. But it's basically about a woman that was bought kind of as a sex slave on the black market by this deranged doctor who just lost his wife and he wants to get revenge for his dead wife. So he turns this woman that he basically bought from human trafficking into an assassin. So he trains her to be, um, you know, she can, so he shoots her a few times so she can take a bullet. He trains her in martial arts, teaches her how to use weapons and, uh, Gets her off drugs because she's hooked on heroin, so that takes a while too. And basically, he's getting revenge on this guy who is a billionaire necrophiliac who has a warehouse where he goes to have sex with dead bodies. So in order to get Gunwoman in there, he puts her to sleep so she looks like she's dead, and then cuts her open and fills her up with weapons. So when he when she wakes up on the table, uh, she opens her stomach up so she's bleeding everywhere takes the weapons out, assembles them, and just blasts him and all of his henchmen. It's really crazy because it's one of those movies where it just feels completely misogynistic at first. 
And it kind of like turns into the ultimate like female badass girls with guns type film. So I brought that one up because I don't really hear about it a lot. So I kind of wanted to give it some shine. And you know me with the Japanese movies always. So, all right. Now uh, a weak female lead. And one thing I noticed about these is it's a lot of older movies. Yeah. Like Coffin Joe movies. and Yeah. Pre-70s movies. Yeah. Um, so let's start off with Presley. Could you think of a, a weak female lead? Um, yeah, I picked the movie Prom Night, but it's the remake from like 2004. And essentially, there's no strong lead. Like everyone is screaming and running and screaming and running and no one's really fighting back. And it's not the fact that they don't have the chance to. It's just kind of like... They, they choose not to, in my opinion, throughout the whole thing. Yeah, it's like they're just kind of getting stabbed and they're like, okay, I guess this is how I go. Yeah, it's like the ultimate frustrating movie for so many reasons because it's like, you know when you want to yell at a character because they're not doing the right thing? Well, that's the whole movie. <laughs> you're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, even the killer, you're just like, what is your problem? Like, he's just, he's so weak for being a killer, in my opinion. You know, he's like crying when he sees this chick that he's obsessed with dancing with someone else okay uh amanda have, have you did you think of one a uh, weak female lead yeah i'm probably going to get some hate for this but wendy from the shining she screamed a lot about her husband's descent into madness but there wasn't a lot of character development with her and she kind of portrayed that meek housewife that kind of is doing what her husband says tiptoeing around him while he's you know finishing up his novel and things like that and yes at the end of the movie she is able to escape however throughout the entirety of the movie it's all focused on jack nicholson and as you guys were saying about the meek and the weak female characters kind of being 70s and pre-70s. This is definitely something I've seen, Um, you know, especially if you want to fast forward and continue with prom night theme, Carrie. She was very weak and meek, made fun of, and then the pig's blood, the most infamous scene, but her powers, you know, are very restrained at the end, and she doesn't get to use them full force the way that, maybe character development would have allowed well i think that was also suppression from her mother and that was kind of why that story the the real horror in that movie is the mother and carrie and the way that she treats her and she makes her daughter a weak meek female yeah those are good picks though um christian how about you you know uh i didn't really pick one in particular i was watching like i was saying before like coffin joe and i and i feel that a lot of those they're they're more just an opportunity to um using them as basically like an object to murder and it's not really anything else than just that and i feel that it's just like placement and not necessarily like they could be because there's no restraint they're like they'll just accept like this guy's punching them and and trying to murder them but they don't they don't try to get away. They just take it and scream. And so I feel like there's a whole just decades of that. Um, and I feel like it's not until recently, like the 90s and 2000s, that people are like, you know, this cliche needs to change a little bit. And we need to like broaden on this and quit using just women as just an object to be murdered. 
um, and just like a victim. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, I'll get into my pick in a second, but I did realize that going through these lists and stuff that, you know, pre-70s, you have these damsels in distress, and then uh, then you start getting the, the like the final girls in the Friday the 13th movies and Halloween where they start off as just normal girls, sometimes virgins, and then they work their way up to like killing the the murderer or the the villain. And then, like like I said earlier, you get to like Silence of the Lambs and Scream and stuff, where it started to become mainstream to have like strong female leads. And now, I think if you look at current horror movies, it's hard to even find movies with weak female characters. Usually, uh, females are lead, the lead and and strong. And yeah, and there's always that last woman that standing type thing. I think the one recently I saw or again, um, but I didn't realize and then. Getting which I thought was kind of funny because they completely tore apart the um, that premise. Um, but demons of where the you think like the woman's going to survive, the credits kind of start, and then she turns into a demon and then gets killed. So you don't have the the you know virgin type survival. She gets murdered right at the end. And uh, my pick is going to be one of the older ones that I was mentioning, and that's Roman Polanski's Repulsion. And it's kind of uh, just about a woman a girl who's left home alone for a weekend while her sister goes uh, out of town. And she kind of goes crazy and she goes down this downward spiral and starts hallucinating. Uh, A couple times people come in to check on her and she murders them because she thinks that they're, you know, trying to sexually assault her or something. She's very creeped out by everything. And by the end of the movie, you know, she's totally lost it and, there's never really, even though she does kill a few people, there's never really a time when you're like, see, this woman is empowered. Which kind of like, if you look at Roman Polanski's movies, Rosemary's Baby, that's kind of another one where you have this woman who never, she's just kind of getting walked all over in that movie and kind of told what to do. Um, another one I really wanted to mention, though, would be Night of the Living Dead. Barbara, her character, is just whining and crying and hysterical the whole time. <laughs> Oh, Barbara. Yeah. And then you go into the remake and she's this badass, almost like Ripley from Aliens. And it's that's kind of something you see in a lot of remakes now is that yeah. they take these kind of weak female characters and turn them into well, killing machines. I think the remake, they made the guy, that one guy, the more the one that just bitched and complained all the time. He was just like, no, I want to go. Like, everyone has to listen to me. He's like, shut the hell up. Yeah. <laughs> so what other movies do you guys think represented female characters well um maybe because you know we just talked about strong weak whatever but that's there's a lot where there's like a gray area like for example sleepaway camp um that movie i feel like is pretty important when it comes to representing a female especially a transgender female and you know um it's got a lot of males in it that are being kind of like demasculated in a way and um you know even see like the way the men are dressed is like really feminine and it's just the whole gender thing in that is kind of throws you off well you have the cook who's also like obviously a child molester too you know yeah yeah and that one it goes into some really extreme dark territory even though it kind of comes off as a comedy um so i don't know christian what do you think about sleepaway camp like with the whole yeah, it's definitely one that's it 
it stands out um, just because he's saying like being one of the first to really talk about or get into the topic of you know transgender, um, and even though there's definitely I don't think that film could be made made today, um, and not that I'm saying that movie is transphobic. I don't necessarily think it is, but I can see how some people might question that movie and its morality. But um, I I absolutely love it though, and I think it's it's such a plot twist to you know. Even if it's it was the little boy, it's still pretty impressive um, because it, you know usually you think of a killer as this big you know Jason type um, force of nature, but um, the fact that it could be just an innocent child or innocent, but yeah, uh, another one that I thought was really interesting the way that they represented females. I feel like it was empowering uh, is Ginger Snaps. Have you seen Ginger Snaps? Anybody? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that one's just about these two sisters. Uh, both of them kind of make a suicide pact. They want to die before they get their periods. And uh, one of them, you know, ends up getting her period. Or is she bitten by a werewolf? Or maybe it's both. But uh, basically, it's just they're kind of growing apart because of what happened. And uh, Ginger is trying to find men to maybe or kill because uh, she's you know can't control her urges and her sister is trying to find you know some sort of cure for her lycanthropy and you know change her back and Ginger's like no I like this way too much and it's it's great there's a lot of gore and it's uh you know it's kind of funny but it's really dark all the way throughout and I don't know what do you think about it um well the first time we watched it, I know we had to shut it off because the suicide was really kind of bothering me at that time. And the second time I watched it, I I really enjoyed it, but I'd probably have to watch it another time to really kind of form a huge opinion on it, you know? Yeah. And the we watched the sequel, too, which was not as good, but it was... That enter- one was fun. It was entertaining, but it, the first one I feel like is very special. The second one kind of just kind of felt thrown together, but yeah. Christian, do you like that one? Yeah. No, it's been a while, but yeah. No, it's good. Another really good one was Excision. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that John Waters is in that. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, he's like the priest. He's the priest. Like the priest that the mom wants him to get counseling from or whatever. Yeah, and it was pretty close. I got to meet John Waters right around the time I watched that film. So it was kind of nostalgic to kind of see the movie and then meet him in person. Yeah, and that's just another one kind of about, you know, a girl going into puberty and kind of all the complicated feelings and stuff that that come along with that. And this girl is an outcast and, you know, she's having fantasies of murder and torture and uh, it's really glamorized. And but she also wants to become a surgeon when she gets older and she has really high ambition for that. But she goes about it all the wrong ways. Um, with dead animals and later on uh, somebody very close to her she surgically operates on uh, it's really good and it, it feels very mainstream even though I would say it kind of fits into the whole extreme underground feel mm. but it's got some mainstream actors um, I kind of forgot who all was in it but you said John Waters and yeah, and the main character is Annalyn McCord. I remember when Christian showed it to me, I was like, oh, that's the girl from Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> yeah. Isn't Tracy Lord's mom? 
I think. Correct. Yeah. So Ariel Winter's in it too, and she's in Modern Family. So that was that was cool to see. Yeah. She's the sister, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember who plays the dad, but I feel like he was someone too. There's an, another one that's kind of mainstream, but not. Um, Bliss. It was on Shudder. Uh, it was like a Shudder exclusive. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say she's like a strong female role, but it's definitely a main female role that um, exceeds really well in it. Um, it's just she's basically um, like kind of like an artist that's trying to find inspiration, gets hooked into this drug of sorts that gets her basically craving blood. And the more that she craves this and the more drug induced that she gets, the closer she can get to finishing her painting. Um, but it causes a lot of bloodshed in the process in order to finish this work. I, I love the film. Um, she's is nuts and such an intense film. Yeah, visually, Bliss is amazing, and it's kind of like a psychedelic drug trip while you're watching it. There's, you know, so many different um, shots going on there. The cinematography was really amazing as well. Reminds me of something like Enter the Void. Yeah, I still want to see that. I see it on Shutter all the time, but I didn't know it was good, so cool. Um, another one that we saw was Becky that came out last year, which is about a really young girl kind of going on a trip with her dad and some convicts break in and one of them is Kevin James. Kevin, this Paul Blart, you all know him and love him. And he actually plays a Nazi in this and he has, you know, at first he tries to come off as like, oh, hey, I'm kind of lost. I need some help. And then he kind of just gets super weird with it, takes off his hat and he has a huge swastika on the back of his head. So everyone's pretty much like, oh, we're kind of fucked right now. And, you know, he had he broke out of prison with all his inmates, too. And they're looking for this key that, you know, they never tell you what the key is for. But to them, it's really valuable. They need it. And Becky ends up finding it and she has it, you know, tied around her neck. And the cool thing is um, she sees all this stuff happening because that character is going through a lot. You know, her mother just passed away and her dad is moving on and. It was supposed to just be them at this cabin and he brings his new girlfriend. So she has all that teenage angst going on. And essentially she sees them kill her father. So she's out for some blood in this movie. And it's really cool because the gore is really cool. You wouldn't expect that from a 13 year old. It's really crazy because she just goes like on a full on massacre mode almost home alone style because she's like setting traps. And Yeah, she kills this dude with like some colored pencils. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> It's hilarious, but it's brutal, too. Uh, another quick one I wanted to bring up was Eyes of My Mother, which came out in 2016. It's a black and white film, uh, kind of like a female version of Ed Gein. She's just this girl who's, you know, her parents passed earlier, and she's really into surgery because her mother was a surgeon, and she kind of starts, you know, working on animals, and that progresses to humans as she gets older. And she's just kind of seducing people to come over or just getting people to come over and kind of taking them out. And she just has no emotions. And I really thought she, that it was a really cool female role because, you know, she's the female version of, you know, an Ed Gein or maybe even a Dahmer. They kind of combine a lot of serial killers into one. And it has a really classy feel to it. And But at the same time, you get into some really nasty, like, exploitative parts too, so... It's kind of a hidden gem, but it's worth checking out. 
I'm sensing a theme amongst the surgeons and being interested in surgery at a young age into your teenage years between that movie you just mentioned and excision. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also like American Mary, which is not, a, I'm not a big fan of it, but it's, it's about a girl who, or a woman that kind of gets into body modification. She wants to be a surgeon, but she can't get her surgeon's license. And, um, she, you know, gets into the underground body modification scene and starts, you know, helping people. She connects some women as Siamese twins to twin sisters that want to be Siamese twins. And, you know, she chops people's legs off because they want to be amputees and, and it kind of gets out of hand. But yeah, I think there's a lot of like female surgeon stuff if you kind of look deep into it. Yeah, I'm a little scared because if you asked me what I wanted to be when I was in fourth grade, it was a surgeon. Hello, nurse. <laughs> Did you practice on animals and stuff? <laughs> Just my Barbies. All right. I think that's healthy. So uh, let's switch it up a little bit. Um, unless you guys have any other movies you'd like to bring up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like about, you know, how a lot of these remakes have um, like a female lead in the original, but she's not so strong. And then when you get into the remake, they switch it up and make her a badass. So like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Even or, the new Pet Cemetery, which I, I can't stand, but they totally made the little girl more of a badass oh yeah totally she's like this evil weird little person now mm -hmm. and i don't know i can't remember texas chainsaw can you explain that a little bit better the 2005 one yeah yeah so it's jessica beal as the main character um so it's kind of the same story cruising around with her buds they're going to a concert and they pick up this hitchhiker who's been through some shit she kills herself in their van and you know it's kind of following the same story but they made everyone have their own little character. Like, people are together, whatever. And everyone is getting picked off one by one. But what is cool is that they make her a fighter in this one. So, you know, she, instead of, you know, scream and run, like, kind of what I get from the first one, they kind of give her more of a backbone, so to speak. Yeah, Sally is like the ultimate weak female lead character <laughs> in the original one. So it's good that they kind of beefed it up. I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but I, th I think they did definitely did some cool stuff. So. Yeah, like she squares up with Leatherface, and that's pretty fucking cool, in yeah. my opinion. And then I remember like Texas Chainsaw 3D kind of had a f strong female lead too, but it's. We don't talk about that. Very movie, cringy. <laughs> Insert. Uh, do your thing, cuz. Do your thing, cuz. Yeah, there's very few 3D horror movies that I'm, like, absolutely in love with. Yeah, My Bloody Valentine was okay. Yeah. and then, uh, Like, the Jocolate 3D is absolutely awful. Like, one of the worst Dario Argento films ever. What about the Piranha movies? Piranha 3D and Piranha 3DD. 3DD? Yeah. And uh, Double D. Nurse 3D is really good, too. So do you guys want to hear some facts about women in slasher films? Sure do. Yeah. Yep. All right. So I found a pretty cool study by Molitor and Sapolsky. They studied slasher films from 1980 to 1993. And it showed that, quote, it takes women twice as long to die as men in these films. And that females are shown in terror for obviously longer periods of time than the males. 
They also got to do some ratios with this study and they found that the mixture of sex and violence in films of the 1980s versus those in the 90s the films in the 80s contained on average 9.3 instances of sexuality and 3.1 of these instances were linked to violence however the number was lower in the films of the 90s. So it kind of goes along with what you guys were talking about earlier where you mentioned that women in films from the 70s, well, the 80s, 70s and early on, you know, they were kind of characterized as weak and um, victims. And then in the 90s and the 2000s, we saw the female um victim be the anti-victim and just kind of end up being the hero yeah and especially with the remakes um how we were saying earlier about how you know the original texas chainsaw or night of the living dead very very weak characters and then in the remakes they got a weapon and they're fighting back so i agree with the the on-screen chasing stalking and all that like it seems like every time a guy dies they're just instant killed where women it's got you know the point of view shot you know which goes into that whole male gaze thing uh, from especially in psycho uh just watching waiting plotting and then all of a sudden you know there's the kill but you have about a five ten minute lead up sometimes and i think a lot of that is just try to sell the movie because they know that sex sells and nudity sells and um i think even on the female perspective of like a lot of women would prefer to see a nude woman on scene than a naked man. Yeah. I think naked man isn't very appealing. It's too hairy. It worked in forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> oh yeah. Those are some good parts. Some good man parts in that movie. So we wanted to get into some more serious territory now into uh, the rape revenge genre or just movies in general that deal with sexual assault and rape. For me, it's one of the hardest things to watch in a movie. It makes me really uncomfortable. I can watch almost anything in a movie, whether it's vomit or necrophilia or sometimes even animal death in like Cannibal Holocaust. And it doesn't make me half as uncomfortable as a rape scene can make me feel. And even though that it's adult actors consenting to you know, perform a scene just as actors, they, it usually, even when it's not even that well done, it just makes me feel really uncomfortable and want to fast forward through it. I don't know. I just kind of think it would be good to not just have me and Christian on this episode talking about rape in movies, because I feel like that we should have a female perspective on this. So I don't know. What do you guys think? Females. Um, about rape revenge movies? Yeah, rape revenge or just movies that deal with sexual assault. Does like... it make you feel uncomfortable? Do you feel they're appropriate? Um, I think it all really... I've thought about this a lot, actually. So I think it all really depends on each person as an individual because, you know, if someone goes through something like that, it's it's everyone's own personal journey. And, you know, a lot of people are able are you know with some help you know they are able to bounce back from that and they are able to talk about it and feel it and whereas a lot of people really it takes a huge toll on them you know they 
go to alcohol, can't talk about it, just are like a shell of a person that they used to be. Personally, for me, I really, it's not hard for me to watch these kinds of movies. You know, I've seen The Last House on the Left like 15 times. Um, And maybe I'm just kind of like used to it now, but that's one of my favorite movies. You've seen a Serbian film twice, the second time while pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I know, that movie's just one big fucking rape scene. (laughs) I know. Are you still going to buy the onesie? <laughs> we already ordered it. <laughs> we were actually talking to like watching that movie is like almost makes you feel like you've been sexually assaulted by the end. And like showing somebody that movie without telling them ahead of time what it is could almost be a form of sexual yeah, assault. Oh, no, pick I've, up an assault charge. Yeah, I felt completely dirty after watching that film. Yeah. And I very little movies do that to me. I mean irreversible a little bit, but you get a lot of other stuff, but that movie is like full on. It's a barrage of sexual assault from almost from start to finish. I mean, after the first there's 30 There's every minutes. kind of assault in that movie. There's man on man assault. There's man on baby assault. There's man on son assault. There's, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's brother on wife. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Necrophilia. Um, Kitty porn. There's everything in that movie that you just really are not prepared for ever in this life. Yeah. So, but you're a fan, right? I don't hate it. I'd probably watch it again. But <laughs> I feel like I like woke up the other day and you're just like watching it. <laughs> um, I was trying yeah, to prepare. <laughs> yeah, it's a fascinating movie. I love it. I was actually impressed with Amanda. She was just like, "This isn't this isn't even that bad." <laughs> Maybe it's because I was looking at it from like a filmmaker's point of view and just. You know, I'd heard a lot about it. I had never seen it. I didn't really do any research into it before watching it, which is something that's really difficult for me, and Christian can attest to that. I like to read a synopsis, a really in-depth synopsis of what I'm watching to kind of prepare myself, but for Serbian film, I did it, and yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought the message, you know, was something that maybe not a lot of people understood, Um and I think that's something that, you know, Christian and I have talked about is did the message of Serbian film get lost when it became so mainstream for being infamous with all these scenes and everything? So that's what he was saying. Like, you have to see it as a film. And that's what a lot of people don't. They see just the images by themselves and take and take those apart. Like, how dare they? It's like, well, what about everything else that's behind the film? And what are they trying to say behind this? Or is it just shocking? And I mean, there is some stuff. And he even said the directors that he wanted to be shocking. And that was a point of this movie is to, you know, be offensive. But like, but there is very much an underlie of, of a strong message. Yeah technically it's a very strong movie too uh, it's really well made really competent filmmaking and i think that really backs up the message of it was you know the first, you shot in 4k right yeah yeah it was shot on the red camera it was the first movie in europe shot in 4k you know that whole message of if you're born in serbia you're fucked from birth you know literally with a baby re- newborn porn scene um i think that, that it it does come off this sounds wrong, but certain scenes in that movie, including the baby scene, are so over the top that it's a little comical. But even though that movie is really, even though that scene is really hard to watch because it's disturbing, it's also like so far from like what you're really, I mean, it happens in real life, but you know, or scenes like, you know, him basically pulling a Mortal Kombat fatality with his dick 
on the ball driver guy, um, like, you know, fucking him through his eye hole till he dies, stuff like that. It's so over the top, but because the movie is so competently made, I feel like that whole message he was trying to get across really comes through um, by the end. And like I said, you feel assaulted when the movie's over. And not really in a bad way. Just kind of like, yeah, I got I got the point of that. I know yeah. I got the feelings that I was supposed to get from that movie. Yeah, no, I felt the same way. Like it, 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 it definitely portrayed what it was trying to portray, and it did a good job of that. Amanda, like, how about you? Like, do you get any catharsis through movies like I Spit on Your Grave or uh, I don't know what all you've seen? But she mentioned last Presley mentioned Last House on the Left. I don't know if you've seen that one or the yeah, remake. Yeah, I I saw Last House on the Left when it. Uh, I saw the remake actually when it came out. Um, I think the actress her name was like Sarah Paxton, and she'd been on like some wholesome family shows. So for that for her to be in that movie was just kind of like whoa. But after I saw the remake, I watched the original, and it is you know it is hard to watch like especially I think. I was when did last the remake come out I think it came out when I was like high school like 2007 I believe yeah so having seen that you know right out of high school and being young and inexperienced it kind of was very shocking and you know something that sticks with you but as we all kind of talked about you know in preparation for this pod how crazy it is you know when you get into your late 20s your 30s and your your girlfriends and your friends just become a little bit more open about their experiences they've had and it's like I can't name one of my girlfriends that hasn't been sexually harassed or some sort of misconduct in any form shape or form and so you know as you get older and you're watching these films at least for me it is a little cathartic and as a female it's not uncomfortable to watch these again I kind of look at it from a filmmaker's point of view like what's the message the movie is sending and how it's filmed shot everything but for me it's a little more difficult to watch films that have abuse towards males versus females it makes me a little uncomfortable and that's probably because you know we're not used to seeing men in a submissive portrayal um in films yeah it's, it's weird with male sexual assault too because it like always ends up being like in prison or you know you have like deliverance with the squeal like a piggy scene and um, sometimes, and, and then kind of like with real life, I think a lot of men, their uh, abuse and trauma stems from when they were children. Because uh, a lot of, you know, that's when men are at their most vulnerable. And that's when they're taken advantage of, like, you know, by the scouts or by priests and stuff like that. So you have movies like Sleepers, and uh, which is a very mainstream version of that. But I think Sleepers did a really good job as a rape revenge movie, if anyone has seen that. But, no. Oh, uh, but yeah, it's just you know about a bunch of boys that were in a kind of a juvenile Catholic school and they get um, all assaulted. Yeah, that is definitely something like you you see, and I think like a lot of people are like, well, you know, men can't really have a lot of um, opinions on this because it's not readily happened over. They don't, you know, they don't have 
a leg to back off because they can't put themselves in the shoes of being raped by a woman. But like, but men, you know, like he was saying, um, can be raped and, and, um, not to get too personal, but you know, I've had situations where I've been taken advantage from another male. Um, and so, you know, it could definitely very much happen. And so for me, and I think that's kind of the case is that it's hard to take yourself out of the other role because you're not that person. Um, but you know, like Scott Schumer and with like plank face and uh, he uses a lot of, um, male rape and it's, it's very uncomfortable. And I think by seeing it a lot more in the male perspective, you, you definitely get it and it gets under your skin a little bit more, but I feel it's, it's a, it's definitely a, it's not really it hasn't been touched on as much and and i think that it's something that's almost still taboo is um the male sex and just like in like look at the extremes um in the unearthed like all four of the un, uh, the two extreme for mainstream all have gay sex and so is, is that is that our newest taboo is that our last you know taboo is gay sex and gay rape and like you know it's it's an interesting topic my mind just jumps to american history x and i know that's not a horror movie but it had a very uncomfortable rape scene in it yeah definitely yeah agreed like i like i said earlier it's like men men always experience this and usually by institutions such as prison or catholic school or boy scouts or something like that and um it's really disturbing and i think a lot of stories nowadays are coming out about you know these lawsuits with the Boy Scouts and also, you know, with the Vatican, a lot of stuff is coming coming through now about that. And so it's getting really real. And I think maybe we'll see a lot more of that, especially with Unearth putting out these too extreme for mainstream films. <laughs> hey, Presley, I have a question, girl to girl. What do you think about trigger warnings? Ooh, I appreciate them, actually, and it's just in the more recent years and times where I'm actually seeing a lot, you know, like in movies and TV shows and whatnot. Um, I watch The Handmaid's Tale, and if you know anything about that, you know that women are being sexually abused in pretty much every episode. Um, And I do appreciate that in the really dark, rapey ones, they're like, hey, this has some stuff in it that is going to make you uncomfortable, and I think a lot of people who have been in situations like that really do need that little warning and just kind of, if they can't support that episode, then that's fine, you know? So I appreciate them. Agreed. Agreed. I totally agree with the trigger warnings. I know Christian Ian had talked about like our trigger warning spoilers for the movie before you watch them. I personally don't think it is. I think I appreciate it. It's kind of nice to know like what I'm in for and then I can make the decision if I want to move forward with watching this film or not and The Handmaid's Tale is chef's kiss. Just perfect. I think trigger warnings are good too. Um, you know, you you see move, TV shows like Law and & Order and stuff uh, always have the trigger warning at the beginning, SVU, because it's very much about sexual assault but when you get into underground films they usually don't put them in the movies because usually you know if you're watching a movie from this filmmaker or in this realm it's gonna get pretty dirty and there's definitely a difference too in in censorship versus triggers like i mean you know for instance like you see in the hbo this is graphic for you know brief nudity violence that's not the type of triggering where you know 
talking about we're talking about keywords that are things that can cause like suicide um rape you know just things like that that um a lot of people are dealing with um in their own personal struggles yeah i mean somebody who's been through trauma experiencing it on screen can send them in a tailspin and if you haven't experienced that then i don't think like you're in the the like the place to say that there shouldn't be trigger warnings. No, I mean, even movies that can cause seizures. I mean, there's like, there's obviously things that are like, this has a lot of flashy images, you know, like I have a friend that he can't watch certain films because he'll start having seizure, like enter the void and things like that. And so, you know, if you, it's a good to know that because I don't want to have, you know, like a seizure right in the middle of a theater, you know, I think something like that. Yeah. And watching movies should be fun. And if you want to watch movies with your friends, like, give them a little bit of warning you know don't it's not fun when someone has to walk out of the room because they're getting grossed out or triggered so yeah trigger warnings are fine by me i walked out of a movie once due to a rape scene and that was when i was in high school still the remake of the hills have eyes that rape scene was like i don't know it was just very in my face like it was very long and again you know being young and not having a lot of like outside world experience it was just a lot to take in all at once and I I do remember my boyfriend and I at the time I was like I gotta go like I can't watch this but um you know going back to what we were talking about earlier about like are rape revenge horror films cathartic are they re-triggering can the viewer be indifferent to it like but yeah going back to what you said Ian about how films are supposed to be fun and I agree with that I think films can also be cathartic and you know when when you watch a film that just like hits home you're like yes you know you're rooting for someone because you see something within them that you feel within yourself and so it just you know that's the magic of movies yeah and you know even though it's not specifically fun but you know a movie like a rape revenge movie they have to put you through hell in order to get that sweet revenge that makes you feel good as a viewer so i mean there you're kind of going along with the hell of the main character getting is getting put through in order to feel that redemption and you know i don't i think a lot of people have felt that and that's why these movies are so popular all right, I think that was a pretty good discussion on that, getting everybody's perspective on that. I feel like, you know, your opinions were very valuable for this podcast. Um, something that Christian and I probably could have gone over, but I feel like we we alone can't represent. So thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast, and we definitely want to have you guys back because you guys are really good at this. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you. It was fun. Yep, so yeah, that was Presley Bracken, my wife, and Amanda Taylor, Christian's girlfriend. Christian's girlfriend. (laughs) And um, that's going to be our third episode of Quality Violent Cinema. Right now, we are still on Spotify. Um, That is our main platform. You will also be able to find us on SoundCloud. In the future, you'll be able to find us on Apple. And oh, we're also on Anchor. And please join our Facebook group the Quality Violent Cinema Facebook group, and also our podcast page. Please like that on Facebook. We got a lot of our going-ons there. You can find pictures of what we're doing, and uh, you'll be clued in to whenever we're going to be putting out content. And we'll, There's also people that are already part of the community having little discussions that it's fun to jump in and kind of just talk about movies. It's a, Hopefully it'll grow to be kind of a cool corner of the internet where we can 
talk about this niche topic that we love talking about, but a lot of horror fans get grossed out and stuff. So, yeah. Anything else, guys? Oh, no. That's it. Just look forward to doing our next one. Uh, we are not quite sure what we're going to do next, but we, um, we're we always up for um, ideas, too. So if anybody um, – there's a message board on Facebook. So if anyone has any ideas or any kind of things they want to hear or they want to talk about or want to be heard or talked about, um, just let us know. Yeah, just hit us up. We love talking about horror movies, so just message us or maybe comment on our page. All right, thank you, guys. 